This morning, I would like to look at the two natures of the believer in this brief time we have together, the two natures of the true born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so much that we could look at pertaining to this in the New Testament. Time would just forbid it. It would be several weeks intense study to look at it. But I just for the next few moments together would like to create a little appetite, a little taste for us to, to look into this further. Sunday mornings cannot sustain your spiritual health. You can't do it. Unless you're in the word of God, you'll fall prey to the Adamic nature. So we want to create an appetite for you to move on from here and look at it just a little bit further and perhaps study to see if you are falling prey to our old nature. One thing I'm going to ask you to do just for a few moments is not to turn to anything. Now, that's unusual for this church. We usually have you spinning around the Bible here. But just to listen, because uh, I want to put the picture together, and then I'll have you turn to Romans chapter 7. Recognize that we all fell in Adam. Adam was our federal head. That is, God gave man a choice, and man chose to sin against God. Now, what is sin? Basically, and at its very root and heart, sin is self-will, ignoring or opposing the will of God. At its heart, that's sin. God said no, and you say yes. Sin is self-will, ignoring or opposing the will of God. Adam had a choice. Do not touch the fruit. Do not touch that tree. Do not go near that tree. Just leave that tree alone. Adam had a choice, and he and Eve both partook of the fruit, self-will. They sinned against God, and of course, they were extracted from the garden. But then Adam was made in the image and likeness of God. God now withheld, if you would, his glory from Adam in that Adam fell into sin, and he now began to produce children in his own image and his own likeness. Human beings for sure, but fallen human beings. And so we want to look at you and I as sons of Adam, and yet as Christians, sons of God. What, what is this all about? And we're going to see that struggle. Understand the inward struggle of the true believer is a difficult task. Understanding this is not easy. Many Christians spend their life in uncertainty and in heartache. Why? Because they fall prey to the old man and his deeds. They fall prey to the Adamic nature that dwells within. And as a result of that, they question their very spiritual security. They, they're, they're constantly in turmoil. What happened? Why did I do that? Why do I think that? Why am I like that at times? It's a battle. And Lord willing, this morning, we'll want to see what God says about that. Before salvation, mankind had an awareness of moral standards. There's awareness there, an innate awareness of moral standards and, uh, and spiritual needs. But usually, they go about their everyday business immersed in this world system. And as a result of that, you can cover it up. You can gloss over the, the top of it. Paul said they comparing themselves among themselves and measuring themselves by themselves are not wise. See, if I use other 
men or other women as my spiritual standard, or I use them as a measuring stick. Other people, depending on who I'm looking at, I can look pretty good comparing myself with them. In the book of Proverbs, I will not have you turn there, but in the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, God says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end there are of the ways of death. See, men feel pretty good about themselves. They, they go along in life, and I'm better than some, not quite as bad as others. Uh, I'm pretty good, and, and of course, God will accept me as I am. And for you and I, as New Testament born-again believers in Christ, we look at these folks, and sometimes on the outside, they even seem to have it better than we do. Asa said that, Asa in the Psalms, he said this, God is good to Israel and to such as are of a pure heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had almost slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pains in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves them as a necklace. When we look at these people who are just going about business, they seem to have more than we have, and there doesn't seem to be the problems in their life that we have. And yet, we know the, the ends thereof are the ways of death for those folks. And because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, men invent religious practices to appease their own conscience, and they feel pretty good about it. If I'm quasi-religious, whatever it may be, there's strange things out there to be sure, but if I can only work these works of righteousness, the standards which I have established, I feel pretty good about myself. But somewhere in the mix, the lost person is made aware of God's glory and his revealed truth. And once that happens, the cover is lifted off the cesspool. And they recognize there's something wrong. Now, in the process of recognizing that, there's a heaven or hell decision to be made. Will I believe this? Will I follow this? Or will I continue on in my own course? And God's word tells us about this struggle. You're very familiar with these passages, but please let me read them to you because there's a heaven and hell decision that's made. And God lets us know about the alternatives. We read in John, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but shall have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this, this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world. And, or but, men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that practices evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. The scripture tells us that in the midst of this darkness comes the enemy. If men choose darkness, the enemy comes. And, and Matthew 13 tells us the enemy catches away the seed that has been sown with the cares and concerns of this world. 
if you will, this, this enemy, the devil, Satan. He whispers in the ears, not audibly necessarily, but it could be in some. He whispers what he did in the garden to Eve. Yea, has God said? Is, is that really what God said? You won't die if you eat of that fruit. God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants to keep you old-fashioned. He wants to keep you under his thumb. Enjoy your life. Enjoy life. You're okay. Just look how wonderful you really are. And men believe the lie. 2 Corinthians 4 tells us that the God of this age blinds the minds of them who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. They're blinded by their own fallen nature, by their own sinful nature. This darkness, in this darkness, men invent countless sinful practices that are appeased by their religious practices and fleshly desires. They continue in a downward spiral, God says. And a little bit of it was read this morning. In the book of Romans, chapter 2, and I'll just quickly run through this. Their practices go from the gross and unimaginable to the acceptable, the politically correct, although it's all spiritually abhorrent. It's contrary to God's word. Paul says this in Romans 2. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Neither were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible men, and birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their own bodies among themselves, who did exchange the truth of God for a lie. The liar persuaded them and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who was blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women did exchange the natural use of that which is against nature. Likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing that which is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which is due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, bolsterers, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, un-everything. That's God's word that says that. That's not me. I read it with passion because... I understand. That's what men do. Both Jew and Gentiles, they're all under the condemnation of God. Their very conscience reveals to them up to the place where they sear their own conscience with a hard, hot iron, Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 4. And then the downward spiral continues. 
in Romans 2, verses 13 and 14, don't turn there, when men reject the truth, they begin to accuse or to excuse one another. You've heard it. You, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? They're not drunkards. They're alcoholics. They're not accountable. They're sick. See, they're not accountable. Murderers. It's not their fault. It's the environment. It was their mother and their father. Accusing, excusing one another. It's not unseemly or reprobate behavior. It's not sexual immorality. These people have a different gene than you have. We accuse or excuse one another. He's not a, a drug addict. He has a problem. He has a problem. Again, we continue to accuse or excuse one another. Now, why is that? It's because of our fallen nature. It's not because of what God says. We've given up on that, see. I've developed my own religion, and everyone is all right. You're okay, I'm okay, and, and that's the way it falls. And the unsaved person is in that condition and in a world of darkness, but so were you. So were you. The very same person. Okay, now quickly turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now I'm saying all this to show that's the nature, the fallen nature in Adam that you and I possess. That's underneath the surface. That's the old man. That's the old Adam, if you would. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I'm sorry, the Apostle Paul tells us in verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, or covetous, or drunkards, or revilers, or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And in a nutshell, Paul covers everything that was covered in the book of Romans chapter 2, even up to and including abhorrent, sexual deviation. If we read this the way it should be, perhaps we would all be embarrassed and red-faced here. This is what people do. But I want you to notice, please, in verse 11. And such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. What did you do? To earn this, nothing. You were washed in the blood of the Lamb. You just believed, that's all. You couldn't do anything to fix the old Adam, and you still can't. What you have to do is believe God's word. That's what you have to do, is believe what God said. Okay, now, I have believed the word of God. How did it happen? Again, I, I didn't do anything special. I believed. I believed what he said. It wasn't by works of righteousness which I have done, according to the book of Ephesians. It was by the blood of Christ, by his work, that I was gloriously saved. Okay, now, am I okay so far? I'm okay. When I believed the promises of God in God's word, in the book of Ephesians particularly, came to pass in my life. 
What was that? The third person of the triune Godhead, the blessed Holy Spirit of God came to indwell me. And I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. I have him indwelling me. I'm secure in him. He'll indwell me forever, the scripture says. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. You say, well, what's new? My body? No, 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 you see. No, it's not, that's not new. But I have a divine indwelling through the Spirit of God, as Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, and verse 4. I don't have a new body. That's coming. That's, that's coming. But I'm still in this flesh. I'm still in this flesh. However, God has given me a new way of thinking. For example, God allows this earthen vessel to remain. Why? It's that the excellency of the power may be of him and not of us. Because you can't muster it up. It has to come from him, all of it. Here's a few things, please. I won't have you turn to them. What has changed then since I believed? Well, I'm saved, I'm secure, I'm in Christ Jesus, I'm seated in heavenly places positionally in him. I'm indwelt by him, Christ in me, the hope of glory. That has happened. Particularly, I've been delivered from the power of darkness. That's particularly important. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Delivered. I need not sin. I need not fall prey to that. I am no longer, Romans 6, verses 14 through 23, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I can resist satanic enticements or temptations. James chapter 4 and verse 7. I can abide in him, 1 John, Pastor Rob taught that last week. 1 John, I can abide in him, I need not abide in sin. I need not yield my body as an instrument of unrighteousness unto sin, but I can yield myself as alive unto God, according to Romans chapter 6 again. I can walk in the power of the Spirit who dwells in me, and I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Am I okay? Is is that true? Christians, is that true? Yes, it's true. It's true. You say, well, what's going on? Okay, let's go to Romans 7. Paul has been saved for over 20 years, closer to 30, when he writes the book of Romans. And he lets us know that there's a battle going on. Now, if the apostle Paul fights a battle, is it not true that you'll be engaged in the same warfare? Of course it is. Of course it is. The same as us. What happens? Well, we acknowledge in Romans chapter 7, just look with me just for a moment, please, in verse 12. We acknowledge that the law is holy and the commandments holy, just, and good. Paul refers to, of course, the Mosaic commandments, the law of God. And the reason he refers to that is that's all there is at this time. It's the Old Testament. Paul's engaged in writing the New Testament. James and and Peter and John engaged in that, but he has the law of God revealed to him. And when we became believers in Christ Jesus, we recognized that the, the word of God was holy, it's just, and it's good, but there's a problem. What is it? Verse 14, 
For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold unto sin. For that which I do, I understand not. Paul's crying out. This is the cry of every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a heart, a heart-sensitive cry. For that which I do, I understand not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. Can, can you recognize that? Can you see that in yourself? And it's not always external, is it? It's inside. Most of the battle for you and I is right between the ears. Recognizing what God's word says, and yet there's a battle. He says, if I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it's good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. Do you understand that? I'll tell you, folks, it takes a long time to get it. God wants you to see it. We think that we can produce some pretty good stuff. Huh? We, we think that we can come up with something that's pretty good. No. In you, that is in your flesh, there's no good thing. Don't trust it. Don't trust it. The Apostle Paul said we have no confidence in the flesh. If anyone could, he could, right? Jew, the highest order, Pharisee, concerning the law, he considered himself a pretty good guy. When he was unsaved, he considered himself one of the best, as a matter of fact. Not now. Not now. When you take a look at yourself and what God says, you understand, no, in me, that is in my flesh. It dwells no good thing. Notice what he says, continue on. For the good that I would, I do not, verse 19, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Sin that dwells in me. Think about that. Sin that dwells in me. That's the battle of the new man and the old man. That's the fight. It's right in there. Below the surface, I have a choice. I can either walk in the power of the Spirit of God by the Word of God, or I can choose my own way. And it's a constant fight. It's a constant fight. It's not a battle if I submit to God. It's a battle when I don't. I don't have to fight to submit to God, you know. I don't have to. It's all been taken care of. We're going to see that in just a moment. But when I don't submit to God, that's when the battle starts. And it's, it's me. It's sin that dwells in me. I find the law then. When I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. The new man delights in the law of God, but the old man doesn't. He's not happy with that. He wants to do what he wants to do. Is that not true? Is that not true in your life and my life? I don't want to submit to that. I'd rather do this. It feels better to do this, by the way. It's only temporary, but it certainly feels better to do this. He said, but I see another law in my members warring after the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity of law, the law of sin, which is in my members. Now, here's, here's what I want you to see. And to me, this is most important, and I only have a few minutes, but this is where I would like to dwell for a moment. He cries out, if you haven't cried this, you better examine yourself. Am I really a believer? Oh, wretched man that I am. 
who shall deliver me from the body of this death. Now, I'm so glad he said who, aren't you? Not what. But I'll tell you, brethren, and I say this with a broken heart. Most Christians spend their lives spinning in circles looking for the what and not the who. They try to be religious. They try their hardest to do some good thing. I want to please God. How can I do it? There's problems in my life. I handle them my way because I, I just want to please God. You'll never do it. You'll never succeed. It's not the what will save me. It's the who that will save me. And the blessedness of those of us who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior is it's already been taken care of. It's already done. He's done all the work. The what is Calvary's cross. The who is the Lord Jesus Christ. He took care of the what. Now I have to rest in the who. He knows my frame that I am dust. He recognizes that in me. He realizes my weakness. But in my weakness, Paul said, he's made strong if I rest in him. If I rest in him. Not resting in Bill Crosswick. And further than that, further than that, and, and not most important, but let's put it up right up there on the shelf with his death, burial, and resurrection is Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Huh? Yes, yes, at times I, I, I fall prey to the old Adam. I don't walk in the power of the Spirit of God. I gossip. I, I get annoyed with people. I'm annoying to people. I know that. You know, I've had people come and tell me I'm annoying. You don't have to tell me that. Not a bit. I understand it. I get angry. I'm petty. I'm easily hurt. My feelings get hurt. I allow my emotions to run wild. I'm not in complete control of anything when I'm in my, the old man. You're like that. You don't like to think it. You probably wouldn't even agree with it at times, but we're all like that. Why? Because we're all in Adam, you see. But in Christ Jesus, all shall be made alive. See, you, you don't have to walk in the flesh. Can I read this to you? Galatians 5. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you're no longer under the law of sin and death. But now the works of the flesh are evident. You don't have to practice them. Do you ever see a child? My wife and I tried to be the best parents that we could be knowing what we knew and born again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't have to teach my children to sin at all. I didn't have to teach them a thing. They know it already. How can a two-year-old know to go against the will of God? How can they know? But they do. Mommy and Daddy said no, and they do it anyway. They do it anyway. Why? It's sin that dwells in them. It's the fallen nature. It's the old Adam. I have to laugh when 
people say, well, if you spank your children, it will teach them. And we're going to be looking at this in the book of Proverbs. It will teach them to be angry. I have a suggestion. Don't spank them and watch. Just watch. You'll see. You see, it's in them, right? It's in me. It's in me. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall save me from the body of this death? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his work. Back to Romans chapter 8 for a moment. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The rest of this verse should be included later in the chapter, but recognize what Paul says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That's a true statement, although it belongs later in the text perhaps. For, verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. And for what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son and the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That's the answer, folks. It's not what. What is evident? You can't do anything. Who is there? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's him. It's not you. In the power of your flesh, you're hopeless and helpless. In the word of God, you can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Okay, now, one more place. Romans chapter 13. There is a what that you can do. There is a what that you can do, but it's through the who. Does that make sense? Okay. There is a what that you can do, but it's through the who. Without the who, there's no what. But through the who, there's a what you can do. In Romans chapter 13, verses 12 and 13. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us, these are true born-again believers. These are not people that are fooling around here now. These are true born-again believers. Those of us who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. It's, you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You believed his word that you were hopelessly lost in your sins. And you believed not in him. I grew up believing in Jesus. I knew there was a Jesus. I was taught that from a child. But I believed on him. He paid the price of my sin on Calvary's cross. He bore my burden. I believed on him. He paid that price. I believed in him because I believed on him, you see. Let us. Let us, verse 13, walk honestly as in the day, not in reveling or drunkenness or immorality and wantonness, or not in strife and envying. That's the old man, you see. That, that's him. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. That's the who. What's the answer? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And the blessed person of the Spirit of God will use the Word of God to comfort, to lift up, to give that peace that passes all understanding. Now, we didn't go there. I mentioned it just briefly. But you could go to Colossians. And please do that. You're not going to get all you need here. It's not going to happen. As wonderful as our pastor is and as thorough as he is in the word of God, it's not enough. It's not enough. It can't be enough. You've got to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly at home. It has to be at home. It has to be other than here as well. 
well, I know you want to come out and we want to be part of, of everything that goes on. Why? So we'll grow in Christ. But that's still not enough. You still got to be at home reading and letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And he'll give you the peace that passes all understanding. How? He'll keep your heart through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Father, your word is a blessing. It's that which we need. It's the sword of the spirit. It's the very word of Christ. It's the word that's come down from the Father. It's what we need to grow. And though in this life we may condemn ourselves, we become petty, we're easily angered. Though in this life, Lord, we allow the flesh to control at times, yet there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So, Father, help us by the word of God, the living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword word of God. Lord, help us to grow in Christ, to grow in his grace and in his knowledge, the what has already been accomplished. Father, help us to rest in the who. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.